and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We continue our sermon series titled Planted. Christine Gershom shares with us on how we are called to be like those evergreen leaves on a tree that doesn't wither or fall even in the hardest seasons. Our Christian journey is not one of ease and stagnancy, but one which requires us to be avid about knowing Jesus more and sharing him with others. Hi church, what a joy it is to bring God's word to you today. As you know, we've been going through the series called Planted and we've been basing it out of Jeremiah chapter 17. And so before we get into uh, today's sermon, I just want to reiterate that verse to you. I want us to bring it to the forefront of our mind as we begin. Jeremiah 17 verses 7 to 8. This is what it says. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Today we're looking at the part of the plant that is most visible to all of us, and that is the leaf. We're going to be looking at how we can be like that plant which has leaves that are green throughout the year. And I don't know about you, but for me, that sounds like a fictitious plant because no plant in my house or in my garden has perpetually been green. Either they've had yellow yellow leaves or they've had, you know, little white things growing on it or they've just plain fallen out. And it's been, um, I'm, I don't have a green thumb to say the least. But here it's talking about a plant whose leaves don't fall and they stay green through the year. Okay, even the best evergreens, they have leaf fall. If there's a disease or there's some fungus or something, there will be leaf fall. But here it's talking about leaves that are permanently green. And so today we're going to be looking at the secret behind being a plant whose leaves stay green always. And so what are the secrets behind this? Now, if you look at the physiology of a plant, you know how it actually functions within, you know that leaves have something called chlorophyll in it. It's a pigment. Um, which actually helps it absorb sunlight and transforms it into energy and sugars, which is then stored in the leaf. And that is what gives nourishment to the entire plant. So it's literally the kitchen of the plant where all the food is being processed, made, manufactured, and then distributed. And so the leaves are incredibly important to a plant. But what is the secret behind having leaves that stay green? So that's what we're going to get into. The first secret, secret number one is that they need sunlight. And just like a plant needs sunlight, each of us here need the sun's light. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 16. I'm going to understand how our God is compared to the light of the world. And we're going to understand what that means for each of us. Isaiah 60 verses 19 to 22. It says this, The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. So from this verse, when you look at it, what 
the prophet is writing and saying is that this is what it's going to look like when Jesus comes to give us salvation. He is the light. It's not going to be any other source of light, but Jesus is the light. That's the first thing he says. He also says from that thing, if you see, he says he forgives us of our sins and he turns our mourning into dancing. Because when we're steeped in sin, when we're steeped in darkness, it's a life of sadness, of mourning, of despair. But with Jesus, he brings dancing. He brings freedom. It also says that you will be called righteous because you know that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us and we stand righteous before God because of that. Not because of our works, but because of Jesus. And it doesn't leave it there. He says he takes us into the promised land of salvation. We no longer are where we used to be. We're headed to a different destination now. And that's not all. He plants us and then he works on us so that he will be glorified. That's what happens. That's what happens when Jesus is the light. So secret number one for us to be like a plant which has leaves that are green throughout the year is that we need the sun's light. And who is the sun? It's Jesus. And he is the light of the world. I want us to look today at how each of us here, each of us who are watching, each of us who are listening, if we can understand what it really looks like for our lives to not just be touched by the light, but to be flooded by the light. There's a difference between the lights that we have in our homes and the lights that are there in the stadiums. There's a difference in the intensity. And here we're talking about a God who actually dwells in unapproachable light. That's the kind of radiance that issues from him. Today, each of us, we know Jesus. So the light has touched our lives. But have we allowed that light to flood our lives? Have we allowed Jesus and his light to touch every part of our lives, the darkest parts of our hearts, the darkest parts of our mind, the darkest parts of our personal lives? Have we allowed Jesus to flood it? That's what I want to ask you today. So often, you know, each of us who live in this world, we have so many other sources of light. We have, you know, our wisdom. We have literature that we read. Maybe we read a philosopher's quotes, or maybe we we lean into certain world religions that have enlightened us to certain extents. But can I ask you something? Jesus is the light of the world. Okay, and when we allow his light to touch us, everything else seems dim in comparison. Every other light seems useless in comparison. He is the one and only light that you and I need to live in this world. And every other light source will fade, as you know that. Wisdom of the world will fade. The knowledge that you get from reading and degrees will fade. The understanding that other world philosophies give you will fade. But the light that comes from our God, from Jesus himself, is an unfading light. It's a powerful light. It's a light that can change your lives. And so today I want to ask you, you know, are you ready to walk into this journey where Jesus' light floods every part of your life? When I was preparing this, you know, this is what I wrote down. I said, Lord, there are parts of my life where the light has not yet touched. Parts of my parenting journey where I think I know it already. Parts of my marriage which I say, Lord, you know what? We figured this out. Don't worry about it. Parts of my career path where I've thought maybe I can do this on my own. But today, Lord, I want you to flood your light in. When I read your scriptures, I want you to give me fresh understanding, fresh insight. I don't want to run on my light, my understanding, my knowledge, but I want your light to flood my understanding. I want your light to come in and help me do this thing called life. So I'm going to ask you the same thing. Will you allow this light 
to touch you. Maybe you're struggling with your health right now. Maybe your mind has become scrambled with all that's happening around. Maybe things have gotten shaken on the professional front for you. What if today you were to ask God, Lord, put the floodlights on. I want you to enlighten me on a ne- next plane, on another level. Why don't you ask him to do that? But the thing about walking in the light, the, the thing about living in the light, you know, once we, like I said, we know Jesus, we've encountered him, but now it's a journey where we're walking in the light. This is an exciting journey. Take it from me, it's exciting, but it's also a very intense journey. Why do I say that? Why do I say it's both intense and exciting? This is what I want us to look at. The light, first of all, is confronting, yet it's liberating. Let me repeat that. The light the light is confronting, yet it's liberating. Uh, there are a lot of times when, you know, the three kids are asleep and um, they've been lights out and they've all gone to bed. But one of the kids probably had a bad dream, was just not getting sleep because he took a nap in the afternoon. And so he would wake up scared and he would come to me and say, Mom, I'm scared. And so, you know, it, uh, go through the whole, you know, list of what can I do? Can I pray with you? I do this, that. And finally, he'll come up with this conclusion of saying, if I sleep with the lights on, I'll feel better. And so we switch the light on for him so that he sleeps. And so while it's confronting, you know, the lights are jarring and bright. He sleeps with the freedom that, you know, he's no longer scared. Somehow he feels the room is lit. I don't have to be scared anymore. And so although the light is confronting, it's liberating. And I want us to look today at this passage and understand this in a more biblical context. John 8 verse 12, this is what it says. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples happens right after Jesus has that confrontation with a woman who is caught in adultery. And, And the woman in me, you know, gets a little bit upset with this because where was the man she was committing adultery with? He was not brought, but the woman was brought, brought to Jesus with a whole bunch of other men. I don't know if women were in the crowd and they accused her and they brought her to Jesus and said, Rabbi, she was caught in adultery. We need to stone her as per the law. What do you say? And what did Jesus do? Very interestingly, Jesus bent down. He started writing something on the floor, on in the sand And he says this very, very poignant statement. He says, the one here who has not sinned, without sin, let him cast the first stone. And as he keeps writing on the sand, the crowd dissipates. And finally, it's just Jesus and that woman. And he looks up at her and says, where is everyone? Has no one condemned you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. This is a prelude to this amazing conversation that Jesus is having. This is what has already happened. And so if you look at it, it's saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I believe that woman who walked away that day went back changed. That until then, she must have been in a shroud of darkness. But that moment when Jesus didn't condemn her, neither did he condone her sin, he confronted it. He didn't just confront that woman. He confronted all the people, all the accusers who were all around her. Imagine each of them walking back home that day and thinking of the thing that they did wrong probably five minutes back. Or maybe that thing that they did in the morning. They were confronted with their sin. They were confronted with the darkness that was in their own lives. And so Jesus now tells his disciples, you know, if 
people follow me, darkness has to flee from there because now I've brought in life. That's what Jesus is saying. It's amazing. And the beauty of Jesus is, and this is what I want to highlight to you, that he does not condemn. He doesn't peddle in guilt and shame. That's not Jesus. But he does confront us for our sin. He doesn't leave the sin, you know, in a gray area. He is not someone who operates in the gray. He's black or white. And Jesus comes not to condemn, but to save. Jesus comes to address the sin and to forgive us. And so that's what I want us to remember, that in the midst of the confrontation that the light brings, there's also a lot of liberation. There's a lot of freedom. Today, what are you stuck in? What are you in bondage to? When the light of Jesus floods your life, it might feel confronting at first. You might feel like you're cornered, but you're not because he doesn't condemn you. He does not deal out shame and guilt. Instead, he confronts you in love and he liberates you. He frees you up to live a life that is of purpose, a life of freedom, a life of worship to him. That's what he does. That's the first thing that you should remember about the light. When we are in the sun's light, when we are absorbing it to be those plants with leaves that don't dull in, first thing is that we have to understand the light will confront, but it will also liberate. The second thing is that the light is invasive yet corrective. I was, uh, the past two weeks I had a blocked ear and so I had to go to um, the ENT specialist and so as she was checking my ears, she, you know, I'm sure all of you have been to any doctor would have seen this. They fix a bright light source. So she fixed it on her head and she examined both my ears before she did the procedure to clean it. And it, it really got me thinking because you go to any doctor. I've been under the knife many times for my children, for other surgeries. And every time I'm wheeled into an operation theater, the one thing that will stand out to you and that has st stood out to me has been the bright lights. The lights are blinding almost. And why is that? Because the doctors can't do what they need to do to set what set right what is wrong without that level of lighting. And so today I want to ask you, have you allowed the light of God to flood your lives to a place where it's actually corrected you? If not for the light that that ENT doctor was showing me, she might have done something wrong. She could have injured my eardrum. She could have hurt me. But that light showed her exactly what she needed to do. She showed her exactly where the problem was. And she was able to do what was needed to correct the situation. And so I ask you today, are you all ready to allow the light to invade your lives? Not to cause discomfort, but to correct, to set things right, which may be a little off balance. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 to 10. This is what it says. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Why do I say it's invasive? Why do I say the light of God is invasive? Because it's like internal surgery. When we allow God to flood us with his light, he reveals some of our deepest motives. He reveals the condition of our mind, not with the intention to point out our flaws, but with the intention of healing us, with the intention of setting things right. Right. 
He wants us to operate at full efficiency at, at the best version of ourselves. And how can he do that unless the light floods us, unless the light invades us? And so when you look at this passage, you see some very, very straight up, you know, John doesn't mince words. And he's saying basically, hey, listen, God is light. In him, there is no darkness. For those of you who have been asking questions, you know, th- looking at things happening around you, why does a good God cause bad things to happen? If God is so good as everyone says, why do children die? Why do horrible things happen to good people? And so somehow we turn the spotlight onto God and say, you know what, God, you can't be that good after all. But when I was reading this, I had to understand this, that God is light. In him, there is no darkness. God is not the cause for evil. God is not the God who causes harm. Yes, he allows it sometimes. Yes, he knows that even in the bad, good comes out of it. He's sovereign. But our God has no darkness in him. And that was such a, it was such a confronting thing because so many of us ask those questions. In the past week, one of our friends lost a dear family member and I had my questions. He was a young father. I had so many questions of God as I grieved too. I thought, Lord, how can you allow this? Aren't you listening to our prayers? Didn't you hear us when we cried out to you? And the beauty of it is this, that God is light. In him, there is no darkness. Yes, he understands what we walk through. He cries with us. He holds us. He he helps us walk through that wrestle. But he's a good God. There is no darkness in him. And so for me, that was something that got corrected this week. That view of God where I thought I could question his goodness, where I thought I could question his motives, that got changed. And that's the beauty of the light of God. It corrects us. It convicts us. The Apostle John is writing to believers and saying that, you know, when you say you're walking in the light, you're following Jesus, yes, great. But we don't see the evidence in how you love others. Again, second thing, we sometimes think, you know what, I can be this super spiritual Christian. I say I love God. I will, you know, preach the word. I will, you know, have a YouTube channel. I'll do all these things. But that person that I don't like, I'll trash them. I'll speak about them. And somehow we think that's okay. And here the Apostle John is saying, if you are walking in the darkness, but you don't have fellowship with others, you're lying. That's not a true walk with God. You're not walking in the light. He, in fact, he says you're walking in darkness. So if we are walking in the light, we must choose to love others. We must decide to confess and repent of every sin that surfaces. Sometimes the sins surface and then we're too ashamed to deal with it. Or we overlook it and say it's not as bad as what that person does. But today we need to look at this in a different light and say, Lord, your word says that if I confess every sin, you are faithful and just to forgive. And so I'm going to come clean with you. I'm going to repent And remember this, we need to also remember that he forgives every confessed sin. Nothing is, you know, held back and stored up for later use. He cleans the slate. He cleans the slate completely. We need to come to a place of allowing the light to completely cleanse our old ideas, cleanse our old thoughts. We need it to invade us, but we also need it to correct us. Invasion sounds like such a negative connotation, but here we wanted to correct us. That's the second important thing about the light, which makes it quite intense, this journey as being of being a Christian. And the third thing I want to leave with you about the light is that it's exposing yet revealing. It's exposing yet revealing. 
John chapter 3 verses 19 to 21 it says this this is the judgment that is the cause for indictment the test by which people are judged the basis for the sentence the light has come into the world people love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil for every wrong doer hates the light and does not come to the light but shrinks from it for fear that his sinful worthless activities will be exposed and condemned but whoever practices truth and does what is right morally ethically spiritually comes to the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are accomplished in god divinely prompted done with god's help in dependence on him i was thinking about how when we go to a barber or a saloon uh, have you noticed the lights that are all around and specifically when you sit in that chair in front of a mirror they have these white led lights i don't know what they are but they're so bright that you know if you went in there walking confidently of how you look or how you know you probably lost a couple of uh, pounds because of going to the gym or you had so much of confidence you walk in there within 5 minutes your self image will drop a couple of notches because those lights will highlight to you every white hair will highlight every wrinkle will show you that paunch when you sit on the chair it will show you everything you don't want to see about yourself and i realized that you know so often when i go to the parlor the ladies in an effort to get more business out of me i would have just gone you know for one thing but they'll say oh ma'am your hair is so frizzy you need to do this why don't you do a face mask why don't you do this and it used to really anger me because i used to be like you know you can't shame me into getting business you can't run me down to get your business and i've even complained about it to a couple of saloon owners but today when i was you know just rethinking or you know looking through this again i realized that their view of me was very different from my view of me they looked at me under the harsh reality of those lights they were seeing me for all that could be done all that could be changed all that could be improved they were seeing me as what i could be and i was sitting there look thinking you know what i look pretty decent i'm okay but they were looking at me under the harsh reality of those lights and i realized that what it was revealing was different from what i thought of myself and so this is the thing about light it's exposing but it's revealing and i like that scripture which says that where there is no revelation people perish where there's no vision people perish you and i without revelation without a fresh revelation from god on things we could perish our visions could perish our dreams could perish what our god has for our family could perish if we don't have that revelation from god and that's what the light does that's the beauty of what the light does you know and if you look at this whole passage it talks about how people prefer the darkness and those who are doing things in the dark will never want to come into the light because the light exposes you for who you really are and those of us who have come into the light those of us who know jesus there is something about the darkness that we don't want to go back to but still there are parts of our life the pockets of darkness you know when we have that argument with our spouse the one thing we say we realize oh my gosh there's still a bit of darkness there or when we screaming at our kids to study and we say this one thing that we heard said to us as a child and we just realize oh there's a lot of darkness there i need to sort that out and the beauty of it is this that in the exposing of ourselves god reveals things to us he doesn't leave it at exposure he wants to tell you hey you know what i have something to tell you through this this thing that has been exposed is not to make you feel ashamed it's because i want to reveal something to you i want to speak to you about something 
And so I want to encourage you today. Will you look at yourself under the reality of God's light? It is not a harsh reality. It may feel jarring initially, but the beauty of it is that he wants to reveal things in you that he and you together can work on. As you look at yourself under the light of God, you will find that, you know, there's this prideful side. There's this angry side. There's a bitter side. There's a broken side. And the beauty is that when you look at yourself, you say, Lord, I want to come into the light wholly. I've been in the dark for too long. I want to come back into the light. Flood my life so that there's a fresh revelation of why I am struggling with this and how you can get me out of it. This whole passage, you know, from John 3 is where Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And Nicodemus comes by night because he doesn't want to be seen by the rest of the Jewish community. He's an elder. He's a leader. And he comes with all these questions. And here Jesus actually, when he asks him a bunch, it's like, you know, this beautiful conversation they're both having. And Jesus exposes Nicodemus' ignorance. He says, you know, you're a leader and you didn't know this. And it feels like, you know, he's actually cutting him to size. But what Jesus is doing is he's saying, hey, you need a fresh revelation. Let me give it to you. That's what Nicodemus is doing. Will you and I take the time, take the effort to come before him and say, Lord, I need a fresh revelation on this. You know, I've been thinking this way for the past 10 years. I've been thinking like this for the past 60 years. But I want a fresh revelation. What do you think? What do you believe, Lord? Tell me what I should do. What if I was to come with, come before him like that? I can challenge you. I can tell you without a doubt that the light of God is going to reveal things. This is going to blow your mind. The way Nicodemus went away changed. I believe that Nicodemus was never the same after that conversation. I believe that each of us can also experience just a life change, a, a life transforming experience when we allow the light, not just to expose, but to reveal things in us. The first secret that we talked about, the first secret to being a tree with leaves that are so green through the year is that we allow the sun's light to be absorbed into our lives. That we just take in that light. The second thing, the second secret is that we reflect the sun's light. So it's very interesting, you know, when you look at the actual molecular reaction, uh, please don't sleep when I start saying this. I'm going to be really quick about this, this part of um, the sermon. Uh, the molecular reaction at what happens on a molecular level for photosynthesis is basically the sunlight is being absorbed by the plant. And I told you this chloroplast and chlorophyll inside. The chlorophyll is a pigment that absorbs sunlight. And the beauty of it is this. Chlorophyll absorbs the red and the blue wavelengths of light. And it doesn't stop there. The chlorophyll then reflects the green wavelength of light. And that is what you and I see as green. That's what we are viewing. We are viewing the reflected light of the leaf. And that's why a leaf looks green to us. And as I was thinking this, my mind was blown because I didn't know that that's what actually happens for us to see a plant and, you know, see that it's green. And so as I was thinking about this, I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, that's what I want from each one of you. Those of you who trust in me, those of you who are planted by those streams of water, if you want your leaves to stay green, yes, you need me. You need me to be the sunlight. But you secondly need to reflect that light to others. As if to confirm that, I want us to look at Revelation chapter 22 verses 1 to 2. This is what it says, the river of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God 
and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Isn't that amazing? The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree were not for shade, just for people standing under. It was not just for the tree. It's for the healing of the nations. In the Passion Translation, it's very interesting. They, they expand that and they talk about healing actually meaning service of or nurture or care for the nations. And so as I read this, I just realized, you know, that we are called not to live for ourselves. We're called to be a healing for the nations. And how does that work? What does that look like? Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So first Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And that, you know, that when you live in him, there's no darkness. The darkness has to go. But he also says in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you are the light and light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And I, I love the message version of this verse, which I'm going to read for you. And I hope that it resonates with you as much as it resonated with me. It said this, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a hill light stand. Now that I put you out there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God this generous father in heaven. That's what it looks like. The second secret I was telling you about to reflect the sun's light. It is only in reflecting the sun's light that we bring healing to the nations. You know, so often those of us who know the Lord, who maybe, uh, you know, generationally know the Lord, we become so complacent in our walk with God. Or maybe, you know, like me, you know, we have a season where we grow and we want more of God because we know we can't do anything without him. And in, even in that, we become so selfish because, you know, it's me and God, God and me. And I just form the silo. And while it's amazing to be that way, it's amazing to get to know God in such a personal way. There's a very necessary next step to this. And that is showing God's love to others, showing God God's love to the community of believers. We cannot do this alone. So as much as you and I absorb the sun's light in our lives, as much as we allow him to work in us, expose things, reveal things and correct things, there's a very necessary next step, which is to reflect this light to others. And that's what it's talking about. He says, you are called to be the light that brings out the God colors in people. How do you do that? By reflecting light into people's lives. He says, Keep open house. He's giving us ideas, which is amazing. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. And so I want to ask you, how have you been reflecting the light that has been shining into your life? Maybe you're saying right now, you know, the, when you talk about the floodlight thing, I'm not there. I'm still at the nightlight stage. You know, God is still a nightlight for me. Okay, why not switch on the big lights now? Is God more real in your life? Has he had more access? If he has, it's time to start reflecting that light. Even if you're in the nightlight state, even if you're just starting out, if you're a baby Christian, there are still ways that you can reflect that light to others because you were never meant to just keep absorbing it. 
You're meant to reflect it. You're meant to show it to others. And how do we do that? Open your homes, he says. He says, be generous with things that you have. Give of yourself. Give of your resources. Give of the treasures that you value so deeply. Give it away. He gives us ideas. He says, be open with people. Maybe it's time for you to share your story with others. Maybe it's time that you do that one thing God has been impressing on your heart. Maybe he's been saying, you know what? Your corporate job is great, but I want you to do something else also. Maybe he's been moving your heart to help the homeless. Maybe he's been moving your heart to help the destitute. Maybe he's been moving your heart to help those who've been abused and broken. Maybe he's been help, asking you to help those who work in urban setups who are lonely, who need someone to listen to them. Maybe he's been moving you to help your family out. I don't know what it is, but it's time to start to shine. It's time to reflect that light. Enough of absorbing it to ourselves. We need to start spreading this light abroad. And remember what Revelation says. He says the leaves are for the healing of the nations. So don't confine yourselves. Don't say, you know what, I'm stuck here. I'm in this, you know, small little village or I'm in this small town. I'm in this small city. I'm so disconnected. We are the most connected generation ever. We are so connected. Put your story out there. Share it with people. Get on that call. Connect with people. Start telling people what God has done for you. It may be a small thing, but it's still reflecting the light of Jesus. Have you been sitting on your story for too long? Have you been hiding those talents for too long? It's probably time that you start shining. Maybe you used to shine and you stopped because you were wounded or you were hurt. But the Lord is saying, no, wipe those leaves clean and start again. Start afresh. It's time that we start being the healing to the nations. People all around us are hurting. The, the very people who walk into our homes, the ones who help us, our neighbors, those who teach us maybe, those who minister to us, those who are around us, people are hurting. We are called to reflect the light of Jesus and we are called to be a healing for the nations. So I want to encourage you again. Would you take that step of serving others, of nurturing others, of caring for others like Revelation 22 said? Sometimes we think that, you know, in healing, we're talking about a physically, oh, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I can't do anything. This is not about that. The minute you share your story, it will heal someone else. The minute you tell someone, you know, this is what God did for me, it raises faith in someone else. And really, you, you know, when we share our story, we make it all about God, not about us. We make it about him. So he gets the glory. And the beauty of it is that someone out there is touched. Someone out there is healing at that very moment. Maybe it's time we start doing that. And sometimes, you know, reflecting the light of Jesus could be as simple as just having the healthiest attitude possible. Maybe you're saying, you know, I work in the setup where if I open my mouth and say something, it could trigger somebody. Well, what if your attitudes to increased work is joy? What if you choose to be the peacemaker in a very hard situation at work? What if you choose to love that very unlovable person at work? What if that is how you reflect the light of Christ? I'm just thinking out loud because this is what it looks like for each of us. Each of our lives are so different. I, I don't have a cookie cut model for all of this. But I believe that God is saying, you know what? Yes, absorb me. Allow me to flood your life. But yes, reflect me as well. Enough of just absorbing me. Enough of doing this alone. 
it's like you know the theory and the practical it's a lot of times in pursuing jesus we you know get into the word we do bible plan after bible plan but then somehow we don't have the practice of it because we've hidden ourselves away but jesus is saying here you know what to be that green plant you need to be doing both remember there are two secrets to staying green the first thing is that you absorb the sun's light and the second thing is you reflect the sun's light this journey of being a christian is exciting but it's intense it's not for the wimps it's not for someone who just says i can't do it after you know few days in you will get stronger and stronger because it's intense it's exposing it's invasive but it's so liberating it's so corrective and it's life transforming and so i want to encourage each of you that as you step into maybe some of you are just stepping into this walk with jesus or maybe some of you are veteran um, you know followers of christ but can we afresh irrespective of where we are on that spectrum what if we were to say lord turn the flood lights on i want the light of jesus to enlighten every part of me every part of me some parts that have been held for so long i'm letting go relinquishing it to you those dark pockets of my life you know where i project this perfect image to everyone but deepest parts of me my spouse sees it my children see it my parents see it that dark pocket i want your light to shine on it today lord what if we were to say that i want to encourage us even as we close for this day i just want to encourage us with this verse that has ministered to me on so many levels many years now and today when i was preparing for it i realized that this is what i want to leave with you malachi chapter 4 verse 2 it says but for you who fear my name the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall the call on our lives today is to fear his name to revere him to honor him to give him access to give him space in our lives lord you are above everything flood my life and when we do that the son of righteousness rises with healing in his wings he wants to heal the deepest parts of us he doesn't want to leave us where we were at he wants to heal us he wants to restore us and then we don't just stay like these trapped animals he lets us out into his fields of abundance and we frolic like calves if you've seen calves running it's it's adorable leaping about with just abandon and that's what he you and i are promised in him when we allow him in we can live a life that's truly free a life that's in community with others that blesses others not just me it blesses others and so i want to leave this with each of you i want to leave this with each of you i want to tell you that god has got a plan for your life and it starts with allowing the light of the world to be the light of your world and when you do that your life will change it will never be the same again so i want to encourage you if you've said i've heard that jesus is the light of the world i've probably seen it at the back of some vehicle in india or i've probably read it on some post but i want this light in my life can i ask you to repeat this prayer after me and this prayer is just the starting it's the beginning point it's where you say lord i'm a sinner i messed up so often more times than i can count but i need you to set me free and jesus does that and more in his death on the cross in his resurrection he once and for all destroyed the hold that sin has on our lives he set us free and so your slate is clean when you confess your sins to him and it doesn't end there you know jesus 
went back to his father in heaven, but he left behind the Holy Spirit who empowers us, who strengthens us, who corrects us, who nurtures us. He's called the counselor, the comforter, and he's with us to help us on this journey. So you're not alone. And more than that, the minute you accept Jesus, you are now part of the church of Jesus. And this is like, you know, it's it's amazing because we are connected through the entire world just by this one person called Jesus. And so now you come into the family of believers and together we journey with each other. We encourage each other. We bring out the best in each other. And so I want to ask you, if you are saying, I need Jesus, can you repeat this simple prayer? Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for creating me as you have. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I admit I'm a sinner. I'm in need of help. I ask that Jesus would come into my heart and that you will forgive everything I've ever done and help me in this new life. Thank you for dying on the cross, for rising again and for giving me new life. Holy Spirit, help me as I step into this life with you. Give me the strength, give me the courage, and give me more faith to trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. This is a powerful prayer because it sets you up for a new life, a new journey. And as you step into this, I want to encourage you to get in touch with us. If you're in another city, we'd love to connect you with someone there so that you can you know, just get onto this journey with, with the, you know, the, being surrounded by people who will love you, who will cherish you, who will nurture you. If you're in Chennai, we'd love to connect with you. Get in touch with us. We'd love to teach you how to read God's word. We'd like to encourage you. You don't have to do this journey alone. Remember that Jesus being the light of the world does something different. You know, it's, it's, a, it's like I, I might have scared you a bit by saying it's intense, but it's an exciting journey. For those of us who know the Lord for a long time, those of us who know the Lord for a few years now, I want to encourage you that no part of your life has gone unnoticed to the Lord. And he says, hey, you know what? You're walking in the light already. He wants to encourage you. But he also wants you to reflect that light. I know for one that sometimes it's intimidating to reflect the light because you don't know in the current scenarios around the world, will I be labeled a fanatic Will I be pushed aside? Will I be alienated for sharing my story, for sharing my faith? We feel ashamed sometimes. We feel embarrassed. But God is saying, now is the time for you to reflect the light. No more hiding. No more, you know, playing it safe. Tell the world what I've done for you. You know me, reflect the light. So can I pray that for you? I pray this for myself too, as I share it with you, that we will rise up, that we will reflect the sun's light. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help each one of us. Lord, there's so much in our lives that the light of Jesus has to touch. And I just pray that you will turn the lights on and that, Father, you will correct the things that have to be corrected. Lord, that you will change the things that have to be changed. I pray that you will reveal things to us that we didn't know before. And that, Father, you will transform us. Father, more than anything, we pray that every fear of embarrassment, of being cut out, of being alienated, Father, will be removed. Give us the courage to shine like a city on a hill, Father, to tell the world what you've done for us, to tell the world why we're different. 
Help us to be the salt and the light. Help us, Lord, to do that which you ask us to do. For those who are struggling with the decision, for those who are struggling with just what you're asking them to do, I pray today they will have a peace about it, that they will obey you. And that, Lord, we will stand strong like those trees beside rivers, that our leaves will not fall, and that, Lord, our leaves will provide healing to the nations. I pray each one of us, Lord, will occupy the spaces you have for us, and we will do that which pleases you, Father. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you even this week as you go into it. Remember that the light of the world is going to light up your world. So I encourage you to just lean into him. Allow him to flood your life. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, Consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.